Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. It's the 10th of August, 2023. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. Um, before we go any further, I want to thank our sponsor, Audience Key. Um, Audience Key, Tom, you guys absolutely rock. If uh, anybody is doing copywriting, editing, um, wants to know how their copy is um, faring in search engines against competitors' copy or what have you, Check out Audience Key, audiencekey.com. Uh, tremendous piece of software. How are you doing today, Christine? I'm doing good. If I could get myself off mute. <laughs> oh. I, uh, I, I uh, had a good week. I started uh, going down to Black Cat yesterday, and uh, DEF CON starts tomorrow, so it'll be a lot of fun. I had a fascinating conversation with somebody who works for a very large company who does LLM red teaming, which is they try to hack the red, the LLMs like ChatGPT and see how they can control it. So I can't give out any information right now from our conversation, but I will be talking to that person in the future and I will be bringing you reports on what I'm allowed to say. So this is a really interesting time to be in Las Vegas and a really good time to look into keeping your cell phone in a Faraday cage. <laughs> yes, a good VPN usually keeps you safe these days. But yes, if you are in Vegas this week, you do not want to be on the strip with your phone wide open and your Bluetooth on. That would be a bad idea. Yeah. So, yeah but no there's matter. but but it'll be a fascinating week because that if that works with us. I'll report on it next week. Is there is an AI village and they are doing what they call red teaming the LLM models. Microsoft, OpenAI, um, uh, Microsoft, OpenAI, Google, and I can never say the other one's name. Apocrypha. What is that one called? Oh, I don't have it right in front of you, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're all going to be here to have their models hacked to see how they can protect them. So it'll be very interesting AI village this year. So I'm going to be sitting in a lot of those talks. I will nice. not be able to, to record any of them, but I can come back and report on anything interesting for us and what we report on our, our industry. So. Well, moreover, if we do it properly, uh, provide the right protections and also be, be very careful about, about how we speak, maybe we can even get some people who've spoken at uh, Black Hat or DEF CON to you know, come on the show and explain um, how easy or difficult it is to, to hack into the LLMs. Uh, yeah, my understanding is it is a very difficult model to protect. But yeah, I definitely will keep my ear open for someone that would be willing to uh, come on and talk, or maybe they'll come on and talk anonymously. Okay. Um, so speaking of AI, this is kind of a, a, a pet cause here on Webcology, but it's an important one. Um, as we've said many times uh, before, how the writers and actors strike goes will determine in many ways how AI gets used in other creative fields um, or other fields where, where research, writing, and um, uh, uh, constant output are uh, 
are important, uh, lawyering, doctoring, being a student, etc. It's crunch time with the strike. Many of the supporting, many of the striking actors are uh, are financially strained. Um, Business Insider actually has a um, article on how to support um, SAG or AFTRA, SAG, AFTRA, and WA strike uh, striking workers. Um, worth checking out at businessinsider.com. Uh, Christine, from where you're sitting, how's um, how's the, the the actor and writer strike going? Still going hard. I have some friends that are there every day on the picket line. I usually do probably about four or five miles a day. They report. Um, you know, there's no movement yet on either on the side of uh, the, what will we call them? The studios. The studios. That's a good word. Uh, the studios. Uh, I do think that what the actors are asking for is pretty reasonable. Like when I didn't know one of the things we reported on, I didn't know actually already occurs that they take somebody an extra and they scan their body, they make a 3D image, and then they use them over and over again without ever compensating them again. I thought that was a future thing, but apparently that had already started. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, I was not aware that it was currently happening. You can you can do that with um with 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 CGI to to a great degree. You can so create like yeah. incredible backdrops. Um, but apparently imagine- once. Oh, gosh. Go ahead. Oh, just imagine mixing CGI, you know, AI enhancing CGI, and you could have, um, get a good shot of everybody's face. It could be a lot like the Sgt. Pepper's album. Yeah, the the thing about it is that uh, for people up and coming in the industry, sometimes background roles are the only thing that's feeding them. So to be able to use the image once and over and over again without compensation is just really kind of not a nice thing to do. Uh, I don't know that they'll ever be able to get rid of stars completely just because stars go on these big tours and they promote and the whole image of the star often sells the movie. But you don't become stars if you can't feed yourself on the way up the chain. And 85% of actors can't even afford, don't have enough work to even get health insurance to the union. So um, it's really taking away work from the people that can least afford to ever lose that work. So if people want to support the the actors or or writers, how, how do they do that? Mm. Well, the SAG after um, site has a fund. The WGA, the Writers Guild, has a fund, um, and then uh, that Business Insider page gives you a couple others. But those are two of the two of the main ones that you could go to and know that the money's going to the right place. Okay, donate to uh, striking actors and and, and writers. Um, if Fran Drescher says it, it's probably true. Uh, li- listen to what. Uh, to what to what friend Drescher is saying, she's um, the the sort of the guiding force behind the the actors and writers. And um, best luck to them. Um, yeah. The big story this week is uh, CNET and content. But before we get to that, oh yeah, before we get to that, we have to do the one story we both hate to cover, but you have to cover. Well, it's like a train wreck. <laughs> How could you avoid this? Okay, so <laughs> okay, um, there's historic precedence for this kind of lunacy. Um, there do you is. remember when, when? Well, there is. Do you remember when um, when Musk um, said, oh, "I'm going to buy Twitter," and you know, um, started? <laughs> I think starting, he said it just like that too. <laughs> he did, and then he started destroying these weird numbers around, eventually driving the valuation of Twitter up to like forty-four billion dollars or something, which is an incredibly crazy amount of money. Um, until you realize he was just too scared to go to 88, but you know he would have if he could have, because um, oh, he's just oh. that kind of guy. Um, yeah. yeah. 
why do you think he settled on 44? I mean, honestly, <laughs> also that kind of For people of who don't know what it don't. is. If okay. they don't, they'll figure it out. I'll go look at go look it up. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure they know. And if they don't, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. Yeah. There's anyway. <laughs> so he drives the valuation up to 44 billion, and in doing so, makes well, he, a verbal contract that he's going to buy the damn thing. And somehow that verbal contract is totally enforceable in a court of law, and he gets burned on it, having to buy the damn thing. Now he's driven the value down to what less than 22 million. Actually, it's a billion. Also, it's uh, it's billion, lower sorry. than that. Is it really? Yeah, because when he also he didn't the valuation wasn't forty four billion. He overpaid. Well, yeah, he drove the valuation up, and it was forty four billion because that's what he said it was worth at the time he bought those shares. But everyone else valuation dropped rapidly afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. So he when he changed when he changed. I haven't changed it. I haven't seen actual numbers on the valuation, but I did see reporting that as soon as he changed it to X, it lost billions in valuation. So I don't know the final number. But of course, if you take a brand that people use as a verb, and then you get rid of it for something as silly as X, X, black, black <laughs> X. So, so, yeah. so Musk did sort of the same dumbass thing with um, possibly lower financial implications, but way higher, like personal implications, in which he challenged um, MMA master. Mark Zuckerberg, the guy who also owns Facebook, also one of the richest guys on the planet, um, to a cage match, an MMA cage match, which might sound ludicrous um, until you um, remember that minutes after challenging Mark Zuckerberg, who is an accomplished MMA fighter, um, to an MMA cage match, he also suggested they settle imaginary differences with a penis measuring contest. He did say that. Yes. He did. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, it's We're 2023. Not I can't make this them? stuff up. Oh, it literally is what they wrote on Twitter. So as it turns out, uh, showing considerably small penis energy, <laughs> Elon Musk, who is still the richest man on earth, um, is having neck and upper back problems he's getting an mri in his neck and upper back okay wait wait, wait. supposedly um, let's just say allegedly because that allegedly. came out of nowhere because zuckerberg said um they suggest august 26th for the cage match and then <laughs> and then all of a sudden musk is like well i need to get mris and make sure i might have to have surgery we'll have to postpone it indefinitely if that's the case so i don't know that seems awfully convenient that i was never mentioned until zuck actually gave him a date <laughs> <laughs> so. so yeah so um yeah. anyway it could be. i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm just saying it's not i don't believe in co- that much coincidence but it could be it could be that he just suddenly found out he had those problems well if he did suddenly find out he had those problems it's because he's probably suddenly training furiously to try to you know um, <laughs> at least burn off um some of the uh shall we call it excess potential energy he's carrying around his waist um <laughs> And for those who have missed it before, Zuckerberg has been training for what is it over a year and a half to two years now. And he's oh no, 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 much longer, much longer, much, much longer. longer. Seriously, oh yeah, yeah, like we're oh, not five years easy. For, oh, five years, okay, but it's judo, easy. right? Judo. Um, in, in various martial arts, but mixed martial arts, he's he's yeah. getting into um and he's uh, BJJ. Um, yeah, and he's, he's yeah, yeah, apparently he's quite good. Yeah, yeah, he's competed <sighs> in one. So, so maybe must decided my time to re- reevaluate. But anyways, if it does happen. 
uh, Musk said it will be streamed on X. I will refuse to call it X. It will be streamed on Twitter. <laughs> and to which Zuckerberg cleverly replied, that's not a good idea for actually trying to raise money for charity. Maybe we should hold it on a platform capable yeah. of raising money for charity. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good for Zuck. You know, Jim, uh, we're really missing out. You and I need to have a cage match. Come down to Vegas, we'll, we'll have a cage match. But, but, but I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't hate you bad enough for that. I'm sorry. Um, no, 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 no. But if if uh, Musk wants a cage match, I'm all in. I just don't see why he'd want to fight me. I got nothing to offer him. <laughs> I can't imagine being that rich, and this is what you do with your time. But you know, teach his own. Actually, if I was that rich, I'd do anything I damn well please with my time. But I wouldn't destroy um, a public. Um, communications tool no that's true speaking of destroying a public communications tool this is actually you know what this actually that that when we get into this story you'll you all will get how this uh segue works here um this is a weird story but i think it's the best seo story in a long time because it's so illustrative it's so illustrative and so um staggering and it we can talk about AI and AI cause so much stuff with CNET. Okay, so um, CNET's SEO team um, has mm, to be um, as to be as fair as possible. CNET's SEO team seems to have misinterpreted um, Google's many things. Yeah, how Google wants to interpret content. Uh, CNET went on a pruning um, expedition and removed a great deal of old content. They decided to do this because they want to maintain and improve CNET's domain authority and give a better user experience. They got rid of a bunch of content. An example that they used would be a, say, 1996 article about um, available AOL service tiers. They suggest that's no longer relevant or useful to people. Okay? They suggest that's called content depreciation. Uh, And they want to send a signal to Google that CNET has fresh, relevant, and worthy content that is better than their competitors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, that's just, uh, I, I understand why they're trying to, but, but, um, oh, this I, is... that might be helpful content. Somebody might be interested in yes. 1996 AOL I service tiers. often do research on Washington Post pre-internet days content that they scanned in. So, like, I've been back to the 80s, 70s looking up things. But you're a news site. You're recording the historical records. You're not an e-commerce site who's worried about an old shoe being on the site and not being relevant. And Google, the other thing that's really bothersome about this, and I'm not going to say the SEO did it because for all we know, somebody internal who told the SEO they know better decided to do all this. But um, they, I've worked on a lot of news sites. You don't prune the content unless it's just, you know, wrong or bad or something. But they used, like, for their citing reasons, things like an article on thin content, which it's not thin content. They don't understand, obviously, from their document what thin content is. Then they only redirected pages with a DA over 40. 
DA is not a Google metric and mm -hmm. your, your, your low value links still have value. So if I have a hundred thousand like links under 40 and you remove all those, guess what's going to happen to your website? Those pages are going to deteriorate quite quickly in their rankings. And then on top of that, um, they talk about page rank sculpting, which we know isn't really a thing, especially on a site that size. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, they are sending their deprecated articles at least to the Wayback Machine. So now they'll get outranked by themselves. Well, but no, by a facsimile of themselves. Exactly. So it's just the thing that's so troublesome about it all is it's not based on any actual real SEO theory. It's not that sometimes Whoa, you do prune I, content if it's like. I'm going to stop you there. This is based on actual SEO theory. It's just not good SEO theory. That's right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not valid SEO theory. So it's, um, and it's unfortunate because if you are a new site, you are a historical record. This is called getting um, memory hold when you remove these kind of things. The yeah. authors lose their bylines. So when the authors go to show their work, over, they won't be able to show it because it won't be there anymore. Um, and it's not necessary, nor is it relevant to do this. And we know not only from our experience, but uh, Google decided to answer this yesterday with a post from Donnie Sullivan about not deleting your content just because it's old. Query, query deserves freshness is so misunderstood. There's a query deserves freshness factor that just means if your site's like a new site, they expect to see new content on the site every day or every few days. And if you're not a site that they expect fresh content from, like you're the dictionary, they definitely don't expect that. But you're not creating new content by removing all your old content. There's not a valuation there between new and old content. They don't compare the two. And then you're removing topical relevancy. So there's all sorts of reasons why you don't prune content outside of just, you know, some of the basic ones like link, saving your link value, but uh, topical relevancy on items or historical record or yep. author author record or yep. <laughs> now, the only reasons you don't do this. Now, you might get people from the sidelines saying, but gee, look at all this stuff and it's killing our crawl budget. When they do that, you can just sort of look at them and ask them to ask them if they can tell you the difference between a full crawl and a render. Um, oh, let's, let's, get... let's go back to that 1990s. Oh, wait, I got one article. thing for you on the render thing before we go back. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about crawl budget. I worked on a $2 billion e-commerce site where Google had created, not mm -hmm. found because it was dynamic and react and it created the pages through a facet and nav, 2 billion pages. That site got crawled hundreds of times a day. Mm -hmm. It was an e-commerce e site, big brand. Mm -hmm. And it never hurt. 2 billion pages that it thought were there. It never hurt them well, ever. This what I'm, what, what I'm about to get to speaks to both um, uh, uh, query needs freshness and um, crawl versus render. So Google comes and checks out your website for the very first time. You got a brand new website, never been up, but, you, but somehow you got a million pages on it, okay? Um, Google comes and looks at it the first time, and it will crawl every one of those pages. Totally mm -hmm. crawl it. I would go, go, go through everything, on every nook yeah. and cranny. Thereafter, it'll do a quick assessment to decide if changes have happened on any given page inside the website once, once it's got a, a handle on, on how your site behaves and how your site acts, right? It'll know if changes have happened on any given page. If a change has happened, it'll crawl the page again. If the change has not happened, it'll just sort of look at, at, at a snapshot, if you will, yeah. of that page that it has in its memory. 
And that's the render of it. And it's very likely that the 1996 article about available AOL service, service tiers is almost 1,000% certain that article, the content there ain't changing. It's static. Right, yeah. No crawl budget wasted at all. Google looks That's at good. it and goes, situation normal, and gives it a 200. Actually, what, what's the status it gets? A better than 200. Nah. Isn't isn't that isn't that a uh, two ten which says uh, static content really cool? Yeah, just leave it. If you go to your Google Search Console and you go under settings and you look at your crawl from Google, they actually specify fresh content that they've crawled versus old content that they're not crawling. So, because, like you the, said, they've already stored it; they don't have to crawl it all the time. So that goofy that goofy voice on the sidelines saying that you're wasting crawl budget, you're not. You're absolutely yeah. not, and you're still providing what could be helpful content to your readers and to the internet in general, and that's what the internet's all about. It's an archive. Yeah, exactly, and also, like we've talked about, I, I worked on one site, and they had content going back 15 years, and one day we had like 10,000 visits that were out of the norm. So I go and look. I'm like, what is going on? It was an article from 15 or 10 years ago or something like that, it was about one, I forget which serial killer, I think it was Ted Bundy, and he was in the news again, and they had done this expose piece about the entire killings. Well, because it was written at the time and not current, it had a lot more detail. So people found it, and Google was serving it, even though it was a very old piece of content, because it was very relevant to the queries people were searching for about this serial killer. So you would think, oh, it's like 10 years old, Google will never serve that. That's not true. And lately, although I think something's really broken, I'll be honest, I don't think this is going to stay this way, but I am getting like 9, 2005, 2001 content in my searches in the top 10 when I'm looking for information. So, uh, I'm the, the only question I have, is there any way those results are relevant to the query as phrased? They're relevant to the query, but the stuff I'm asking should be bringing new, fresh results because it's about something current and I'm getting old, but I think something's broken. I think they're testing something. But the point is, is like you just said, it just, there's so many reasons not to do this and no real good reasons to do it unless the content is just poor or and when they say thin, they don't mean old, mean, you know, poorly written. Yeah. And I mean, thin content, three or four words on a page could actually be all the content that page needs. Mm -hmm. if, if, if the user goes to a page and gets the information that they want, and are able to go somewhere else and you should complete a, you know, a, a useful um, move through, even if, it's a, even if it's a drive by information experience, that's what the user wanted. That page was useful to them. It was helpful. It's a good experience. It's a good thing. Uh, I worked um, on a, a fashion news site that followed celebrities around for, to parties for their fashion. Mm -hmm. And so they would take pictures of they were at this part of the Academy Awards, what they wore, who they were with, blah, blah. The articles were never over like 200, 250 words. But they didn't need to be. Nobody needed anything more than she's wearing this and he's wearing that. And they attended this event and here's what they were there for. And it ranked very, very well. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. And that met the query need. Yeah. As long as the caption matches up with the photo and gives the user what they wanted from that page, um, it's provided the information exactly as the user wanted. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, I just, we'll see what happens with CNET, you know, but it just, well, just, there's really no good reason for a new site to, to do this or an informational site. The other interesting thing about CNET is, of course, um, they've recently um, 
introduced a lot of artificial intelligence created mm -hmm. copy into their stream. So a lot of the stuff that um, Google, Bing, et al. are now um, probably crawling, not rendering, because they don't got leftover stuff to render anymore. Anyway, um, are, are, are grooving through over at CNET is um, AI content. And I was curious, when I first saw this story come up, I was curious if that was part of their thinking. Um, we want to get rid of the old stuff so that they can really accentuate the quality content that AI is providing them. <laughs> you know, the, the interesting thing, by the way, is their quality AI content had so many errors, they had to pull so many of, that, many of those articles down. But as I tell people, Google does says AI is fine as long as you can make it useful, helpful, and unique. The things that AI can't actually do. And if you read the helpful content update, there are five items in there. You will see AI cannot meet. So you're taking a very big risk by using straight AI content on your sites because Google has not said they will go after AI, but they will go after content that is not those things. And AI cannot meet those guidelines. So we'll see what happens. But I would not, I tell clients not to do that because you're playing with fire. We all know when Google gives a warning shot that there's often a big boom to follow. And that is, sure, use AI content as long as it's useful and helpful and unique, which it cannot be if it's AI content. Well, I, I disagree with that to, a, to, to, a, to an extent. I think that um, AI content in certain contexts can be useful and helpful. Again, give me a compilation of um, uh, Blue Jay stats. Um, yeah, but that's that something that people already do. It's all regurgitated. Nothing's new. Indeed. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that generated content, but but AI itself can create useful content, even if it is regenerating. Heck, I'm a writer. Trust me. Most of the content I'm afraid it is regenerated in one way or another, well, too. I've just rethought it in my head. No, um, no, yours is different. But I can, I, I'm just telling you, this is just my feeling. I You could be right. But um, AI content can only regurgitate what already exists. If you're directly pulling it out of the AI tool and putting it into Google, you're playing with fire, is my opinion. Well, what I'm, what I'm suggesting, if that is your intention, again, baseball stats. Get me all the baseball stats going back to 1920. But that's not an article. Oh, no, but it can, but it can be content on a page. Right, um, but I'm talking about an article written by... Yeah. Oh, yeah, if it's article yeah. if it's article content, if it's if it's writing news, if it's trying to be creative, I would be insanely careful about using, using AI yeah, content. That's what I'm talking about. Considering yeah. it useful. But again, um, depending on the content, the intent of the content, um, uh, uh, how you've taken you as the webmaster have taken responsibility for that content by editing it to within an inch of its life to making being certain that it's factual because after all, you are publishing it, um, and that's something that we all should be doing. Yay! Um, most, <laughs> it drives me crazy. Like. When we were kids, it was so pounded into our heads. If it went into a newspaper, it had to be verified and factual. And there were so many steps that had to be taken before something could be published. And on the web today, I mean, shoot, if you hear something, you just hit send and you don't really care. Um, it drives me crazy. because. <laughs> and this is um, something Google actually Google just put this out. And it's, it's, it's worth saying. If you've got a chat bot creating content on your site you probably want to isolate that content in such a way that Google isn't going to be um, 
reading it and bringing it into its index. So I asked, I asked, I said, go ahead. Well, I'm going to speak because I get the sense from this, this uh, tweet from, uh, from John Mueller that Google doesn't necessarily trust generated content. Um, so it just wants to keep it out. Well, yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, but on the, Hmm. Well, this is what this is what he said on 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 uh, X Twitter, um, Twitter, We'll we'll come up with a good word for it. <laughs> Quote: Public service announcement. PSA: yes. If you've implemented an AI chatbot on your site and you don't want its output to be seen as part of your site for indexing, use a roboted iframe, a roboted JavaScript file, a resource, or at least maybe use a data no uh, no snippet to block it. Uh, to block it in the snippet. Um, yeah. so, so I asked, go ahead. Oh, sorry. So you asked, no, no, seriously. No, I, I just asked John because Google doesn't interact with the page. So it wouldn't put something in the bo box and get a response. And I asked him how it is. And he said, somehow, sometimes how they're implemented allows uh, Google to crawl the script and that pulls back information. So, so the script that you have that creates the, the chatbot is what's giving them the information. It's not going into the chatbot itself and typing something. No, 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 indeed. But the information the chatbot brings back or an interaction it has with other people um, or the content that gets, that, that gets created on a page, if it's coming from an AI chatbot, it in itself may not be 100% accurate. No, that's true, too. I'm just so, saying that there's no reason the chatbot should produce content for the crawler because it just opens up a 22,000 pixel window and then it doesn't interact with the page at all. It doesn't scroll, it doesn't. And, but apparently sometimes the scripts, the way they're implemented is wonky and allows mm. Google to crawl the information that the chatbot would bring back. Well, I, so, just had this, yeah. I just had this whole garbage in, garbage out feeling about, too, uh, yeah. about, about, about what, what John wrote and why he wrote it. It's like, hey, you know what? You probably, we probably don't want to be seeing this stuff. It's, it's like looking at people's underwear. You probably just don't want to be doing that. Because <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, Google has twice now in the last week talked about ways to limit access um, to uh, 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 AI created content. Um, you mean the the, the open AI training or something? Uh, yeah, well, indeed, OpenAI is also uh, telling people if they wish to restrict a GPT bot from their site. Um, uh, so, so OpenAI has created a web crawler because they didn't train. They didn't train on the web last time. They trained on all sorts of data sets. Mm -hmm. So they have a new web crawl crawler that was going to go through the web and train. So if you want OpenAI to stay away from your site, um, they now will respect the robot's text. And it will give you just normal robot text to disallow this bot, or you can disallow sections of the site. So if you're like, ah, I don't care if they train on this part, but I don't want them to train on that part. You can do like, you know, normally the robots text, you can say don't um, train on this folder, this page, this section. Does that have to be done only in the robot text file? Can that be done like in the head section, page by page? No, you'd have to do an RT, but you can define the RT page by page. Uh, the, it's just a robot text command. Although the thing is, I mean, they already trained on so much stuff so 
Um, but at least they're putting it out. Google hasn't put one out yet. Neither has uh, Bing for themselves, not to train on your, your stuff themselves, but OpenAI has. I'm not sure there's any benefits to allowing them to crawl your site. It's not a search engine, so it's not, you know, like you're not going to be in their index. Uh, so it's that's a decision every site has to make. Uh, if you have a lot of content that is like, you know, really well written by, you know, paid authors who um, their style is important, stuff like that, you probably want to block it, I would think. Like we saw today, there was a woman on Amazon who AI went through, somebody, we don't know who, went through and crawled her books and then created books with her name on it and sold them on Amazon. So um, there are reasons you may not want, you know, AI to be able to train on your data. But right now, this is only a block for open AI and chat GPT style. I saw that that story earlier. And I, it was a CNN story, a, uh, a fairly well-known author, actually, uh, uh, writes um, uh, romance novels, has been uh, GPT. And I'm yeah. sorry, I was, try, I was trying to I like find that. the good word, GPT. GPT, yeah. Well, the, yeah. the, the chatbot copied her style and her name um and yeah. they've been and, and apparently um people were approaching her saying wow i read your latest book which kind of confused her because she hasn't written the latest book um yeah. she wrote one last year not this year uh that would be you ever had i mean you, you remember back in the old days when your article got copied and uh, uh, uh scrapers would would, would 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 make money off of uh content that you'd written and it would just drive you crazy the old days? That just yeah. happened to a client last week. <laughs> well, yeah, the olden days. Like I said, the olden days. Um, <laughs> and it would just drive you. And this happened. This happened. This is, I mean, this has been happening since the dawn of the internet, since um, control cop, since Tesla created control copy paste. Um, and we know his name was Tesla because it's been uh, it's been the in the he died in 2020, and so um. Every year on his death, everybody controls and copies, pastes his death notices. Uh, That's why you saw that on Facebook and on Twitter last week, on Twitter X last week. Uh, That that hilarity was because we were commemorating the death of the inventor of control, copy, paste, Larry Tesla. That's right. I remember. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that's a weird question. I mean, if you... Originally, I was telling people it's probably good to have your content spidered by AI in case in case they were going to be used to generate search results. And then, um, I mean, that was back in November in the first weeks of AI being around. I'm thinking, my thinking being, if it's going to get you into search, just go for it. But the output from AI has just been degenerating. And do you really want your content adding to that? Moreover, do you want your content um, possibly being part of a misguided misexplanation? Yeah, and I also think, uh, you know, you're not receiving anything for this. It's not a search engine, so you're not receiving traffic. It's just training on your materials. So, you know, if you're just writing about the weather, maybe you don't care. But if you have, like, you know, your grandma's cookie recipe in there you know do you want to re- replicate it in the chat bot without your site or knowledge of your site or you know what i'm saying it's like it's hard to figure out the use cases quite yet but i just don't see a good use case for letting it crawl but i can't come up with 100 percent why you shouldn't let it crawl 
But if you do have anything that's really important to your company, proprietary, trademark, copyrighted, definitely block that. Because once that's in the LLM models, you can't get it out of there. Yeah. So, yeah. So definitely block those. But yeah. it, it's, it's just hard call until we know everything. But I, I just think I would probably lean towards if you have original content to uh, block it from training on your site. And this one probably won't uh, affect many of the listeners to this show, or maybe it will if you've taken the time to create personal websites or family websites or whatever. You've got a whole bunch of very intimate personal information that often gets put on these kind of sites. Um, yeah. th- 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 I know this 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 one uh, social media group in my community. It's 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 a mother's social media group, um, and in this group, people get really emotional about issues that are having happening with their children, school issues, bullies, autism, what have you. Uh, so, and people are very open about this stuff. And could you imagine AIs coming in and training on all that information, and then taking yeah. that and making, you know sentences based on well, all you could be you could be taught you could be outing children by mis, your, your own family by mis, you know what i mean like yeah yeah i mean there is actually a uh a case where i was on twitter and somebody was asking how his phone number his private phone number got into the lmm because it got reproduced on somebody's prompt and it was brought to his attention and so i did a search and it was in linkedin and it wasn't normally LinkedIn. If you don't have an account, you can't get to LinkedIn information. But apparently this was public enough that he Jet could get GPT to it. He has an account, right? Yeah. So JatGBT re- reproduced his phone number with his name on outputs, not related to anything else about him. Just it appeared in certain type of outputs. So definitely you want to be careful about putting information like that in. If you have run a site, like you said, that features children or people underage, you'd probably definitely want to block it from like say you're a dance school or whatever, because those names and everything can get brought back. It, I won't know until I go this week to the AI village at DEF CON, exactly all the uses hackers right now have to use with them. But I'll get a pretty good idea this weekend. Oh, I got uh, a feeling I, you're going to come back like just the blood drained from your face. Uh, yeah, the if OpenAI and Microsoft and Google are coming to have things red team tested, they have red teams themselves, right? Oh, yeah. The best people in the world. To have a red team tested means that there are great concerns that they have not probably told people about yet. So we'll find out this weekend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're closing in on uh, 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 the last like quarter of the show. So we probably keep going. I love this quote from uh, John Mueller. Um, actually, I'm, I'm going to misquote him on purpose. There is no try. There's only do. Now, that was said by Yoda a long, long time ago in a, in a galaxy far, far away. But um, that kind of what John Mueller said. Um, somebody asked him on uh, in Mastodon the other day if Google notices that you're um, trying to create a better user experience. You know, you're 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 cutting response time, or you're you're you're. Um, you know, removing removing all the, the the heavy loads that your page has to carry, or that the browser's got to load, or whatever. Eh? And basically, Josh's reply is: there is no try. Either you give them a good experience, <laughs> or you don't give them a good experience. There so, is no participation trophy from Google. Indeed, what matters for Google is not that a website is attempting to give users a good page experience, but rather if it's actually giving users a good page experience. Yes. Although I will say, I have seen rewards along the way when you go from like something that's craptastic to something that's pretty good. 
you do get some reward for the difference, but you don't get the full reward unless you fix it all. So. And you weren't being rewarded for your intentions. You were being rewarded for something you actually did. Not because you thought it was a nice thing, but because it actually was a useful <laughs> thing. I love it. Some people think that you get participation. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, there's a, there is a bit of sound thinking if you, like, like, like you just said, along the path to getting to our goal, we did a number of tasks and we got rewarded for some of them. Yes. Um, it's not because um, you thought of how Google thought, oh my goodness, they're doing those tasks. Good kids. <laughs> but in the process of trying to get that good kid pat, good kid pat from Google, you did those tasks, and those tasks needed to be done. Well, yes, and also when you understand how the ranking signals work, you do set a task around a ranking signal, and then you do tasks around another ranking signal. So that way, you did improve greatly for the ranking signal that you are working towards. So if it's like Core Web Vitals, and you go from zeros to a hundred. You know, you don't have to have everything else on your site fixed because that's its own ranking signal. So that's also why knowing ranking signals is important when you're trying to fix a site, because if you do like a little thing here, here, there and there, and none of them combine into signals to a ranking signal as one big push of awesome, then you probably won't see much result. So you kind of have to group those things together. When you're uh, looking at your goals, set of your goals, trying to figure out, you know, either be it whatever your goal may be, be it like traffic or conversions or uh, user experience or what have you, measuring them and having a, uh, a sound way to provide uh, metrics or analytics to your, uh, to your clients, kind of important because that's how we prove our work, right? Ask yourself this, Christine, and then, then you know, you, you spend a lot of time in the technical realm. So um, there's a, bunch of uses you have for it but i think you spend more of your time in search console than you than you did in universal analytics or in in the new google analytics yeah. for what did you use universal analytics for like what was its primary function for you oh it would depend a lot of times though just seeing where traffic is coming from where it's going you know where it's where they're converting whether or not um google search console is really what i mostly use also because Google Analytics, a lot of people block the tagging. So with GSC, I get a pretty accurate view of who's clicked through. Doesn't mean it's a great click, you know, because analytics only takes a registers a click. It was after 30 seconds in the past. I don't know about with GA4. So, um, but GSC gives me a pretty good estimate of how things are coming from the search result to the website. So generally that's what I look for. But there are things you can find in analytics, um, anomalies and like page visits or like, why is this page from 2005 suddenly getting all this traffic? Oh, a story came out in the news. Or is a bot network? Or is it, you know, um, or did all my pages go down for some reason in a certain segment? So I can find that out in analytics too. But those are primarily what I used it for. I often tell people that uh, Search Console is about site health, site health and Google's yeah. perception of, of the website. And... Uh, Google Analytics, uh, Universal Analytics, or uh, GA4 is more about user behaviors and um, you know, basically traffic analysis, where the where the traffic yeah. came from, and comparing it to other other traffic sources, you know, direct, paid, um, social, etc. Um, so, predictably, there was a. a, a a survey was 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 done by 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 the great Barry Schwartz at Search Engine Roundtable, and the 
Predictably, <laughs> the uh, results came in with 75%, three quarters of SEOs, unhappy with Google, not happy. 50%, so unhappy, they hate it. Yes. Then about 26 or so percent with, you know, somewhat negative um, uh, uh, thoughts. Just to, you know, cite the other side, there was 17, about 1,700 votes. 5.7% of those 1,700 votes said they, quote unquote, love it. And 18% find it somewhat positive. And, you know, the more that I use it, I think I'm, I'm with that 18%. Mm, no. Well, no, no, no. I'm. You know what? It's not. It's not Universal Analytics three. I'm not using it <laughs> to be Universal Analytics three. I'm not. I'm still getting decent traffic user analysis, but it's much harder to find, and I. It's a brand new learning curve and all that jazz. Like any. But it is providing. It is providing an adequate amount of information where I'm close to being able to use it for what I was using it. Four but that's so bad. That's so bad. Well, you know, well, it ain't nothing. Okay. <laughs> when I used to design websites back in the day before they did this whole move fast break stuff kind of thing, uh, if your users didn't like it, you would fix it. But we got trained with Facebook and Google and others. If you don't like it, they aren't going to fix it. So you're just going to have to get used to it and eventually get used to it. But it doesn't mean it's a good product. Well, we're no longer pioneers. We're now subject to corporate goals. But they, we, this is corporate goals back then too. But the difference just was that they listened to users and now they don't because they don't care. And so, you know, I have, I, to, I think I told you before, I know a major chain, international chain that immediately removed Google G4 because they're not going to use it. Can't use it. How? What yeah, about? And they're paying a hundred thousand per license, right? And they're yeah, not paying so. that. They're not paying that anymore. They're like, we're out. We just can't use it. And I had some people in a, a side group of incredibly intelligent SEOs just this past week, who um, were like, "How am I stupid? Like, literally felt stupid." That's how my clients feel. They feel stupid because they can't well, figure out how to work it. Well, they don't try to work it like you were working UA three. That's, well, you need, that'll leave you, you feeling stupid. <laughs> you need an, but you need a third-party program. The truth is that Google should never have rolled this out. Okay. So as you said, you need a third-party layer. Yes. Uh, something, say, in Looker <laughs> Studios, perhaps. Our tool and is as so it happens, bad. <laughs> oh, no, my God. You've, so you've actually tried it and it didn't work? No, no. I said our tool is so bad. Oh, we indeed, have to indeed. use these other tools to get our tool to work. That's a bad tool. <laughs> so... Um, there's now a um, overlay available in yes. Looker Studios that simulates uh, UA3 in the GA4 environment. Yes, I haven't guy, used it yet. But what's the guy's name who developed it? Because it's specifically a person that developed this. This isn't like a random thing that came up. No, and this is a, a friend of the SEO world? Yeah, yeah. But I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But yes, a, a guy that done Google Analytics for many, many years and implemented it and installed it and all that created this Looker dashboard. So it's, the name's probably on the Looker dashboard. So I'm make sure you got credit because it wasn't like Google came out with it or something. Um, and he tweeted I, it, so I don't have an easy way to find it. So, but so everyone knows there is a, you can make your Looker dashboards like G, uh, Universal Analytics with this overlay. And I think the overlay is just available in Looker. So if you're having trouble, and I'm sorry, I can't, I can't find, I'm. Um, yeah, I don't think it's easy to find. So. 
because uh, I'm trying to find it in Facebook, and there's no way to find stuff in Facebook. Once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> whoever builds the most trap social network that that does in Facebook and um, Twitter X, make an easy to find search function, please. Right. Make, make it better than Google. Maybe you can kill Google off too. Do us all a favor. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we'll 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 mention his name next week once we figure out who it is. Um, so this one was weird and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Google's making changes to how, um, FAQ and how to, uh, rich results are being shown. And maybe that's because if you really wanted to get rich results or get yourself a featured snippet, you went heavy on the FAQ and how to's. Um, and you know, maybe it's because of a, uh, so much AI content crapping up the space. I don't know, but to provide a cleaner and more consistent search experience, Google is changing how some search result types are shown in Google search results. In particular, they're reducing the visibility of FAQ rich results and limiting how to rich results to only desktop devices. So if you got to repair that toilet, don't do it on your mobile. Yeah. Well, uh, or you got to go to a website. I, I feel I kind of, so those do bring in a lot of traffic. I had a site I worked with that they had a, it was like a feature snippet on how to do a UK, US shoe size. Yeah. And it brought in 100,000 visits a month. It brought in a lot of traffic. But how relevant those users are, not really sure. And also without it there, then people will have normal rankings and people will go to websites. So I think it stinks for people who have been getting the traffic and it's been really helpful because basically we know why Google killed this, right? Kill it because SEOs got good at getting things into the how-to and the FAQs. Indeed, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of Jason Bernard and the the entire school that is going for the for like um, featured snippets and hardcore rich results and 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 trying yeah. to really sculpt and and they're I mean, successfully sculpting that uh that that part of the search experience. But you know what? I didn't see a lot of spam in there, so I don't know that it's really something that's helpful for Google to just remove because they're not spamming them. They're just helping sites with information get into them. And isn't that what SEO is for? They're like meet best practices. So you show up in the results. So again, I have a feeling that Google itself is seeing a whole bunch of AI content spam coming be. into this mm -hmm. space. And this okay. is what they're reacting to. I don't know this. Like I'm just, no, no, I, I'm I've been puzzling over this. Why would they want to do this? You yes. know? Well, and you got to imagine like, Google literally has indexed 10, I mean, millions, trillion, I can't speak, trillions of pages. And with the AI stuff, they could get a trillion more in like a year. So I can definitely see where they're like, we got to push back. But I do think this is because SEOs probably managed to get their sites into this space. And they're like, no, we'll take that away. But you're right. It could be AI content. Too. It could be a combination of things. Well, I mean, now that SEOs have gotten good at it, and we could exploit it in an industrial strength sort of way. We're gonna let's take it away, <laughs> remove anything that helps them, burn it. <laughs> well, see again, Google. This this whole cat and mouse relationship Google's got with SEOs. They actually really, really like us showing them what their sports car can do. Yes, they just don't like seeing their sports car pulling donuts in the parking lot. Yeah, except that I usually agree because normally it's spammy stuff. But in this case, I haven't seen the spam. So maybe there is spam I don't know about. Oh, uh, we're, talking, we're talking pre-spam here. Pre-spam. Yeah, it's like, it's like and, and I'm just going to bring up one thing not related, but kind of related to this. 
like I do, I do site recoveries, right? When Google started trashing sites over and updates because of, you know, going astray of the algorithms, they were black hatting stuff, right? Even if they didn't know it, they hired someone who did that. Now sites lose 90% traffic because of like some weird thing that the site could never know about and wasn't doing anything wrong. I think it's time Google stops like just wiping stuff out like this or penalizing sites um, for random mistakes that much, right? Like they didn't need to take away all these FAQs and rich snippets because they think SEOs got too good at it or they don't need to destroy websites because they didn't understand core vitals well enough, right? So I just think Google may need to reassess how punitive they are towards the towards SEO. Well, yeah, or um, we have to conform to the new web that Google is trying to build because heaven oh, knows always. it is Google's web, right? It is always. I'm just saying they could be a little less severe at this point because the reason they were so severe is to make people adhere to their guidelines. But nobody was, you know, going here and just spamming the, the rich snippets and FAQs that I saw. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, I'm, take away all the results. Like, I'm going to say no one's doing it yet because again i think this is a preemptive thing uh google knows yeah, what's coming down the pipe oh sure yeah definitely i know what they've indexed and we don't haven't seen everything the index obviously so. and, and you remember the stuff they were saying a couple of weeks ago about formulatic seo being a bad thing programmatic 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 that's it yeah yeah um they're sending some signals here mm-hmm. the, the, don't yeah. you get that weird feeling like if you follow the uh, A, B, C, D method of, of SEO, rather than going with a more dynamic, uh, find the problem, fix the problem uh, method. There's, but I think what Google's trying to say is don't try to do this cut and paste uh, uh, paint by numbers SEO that will, you might get short term results, but it will get you in trouble. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and with the amount of co- content they have nowadays, they don't need to index anything, everything anymore, unless it's just a really obscure topic. So you can, I mean, once you have like, you know, five million recipes on brownies, do you really need to index the next five million? Mm, maybe not. You know, so. Well, you might want to mix around for potency and strength. <laughs> that's a different kind of brownie. That's true. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> We are really routing the quarter on the uh, on the hour of the show, but it's a good time to mention we're also really rounding the corner on the year. Oh. It is the 10th of August, and I know I harp on this. Summer's almost over because I live in Canada, and when summer's over, it is most decidedly over. And I live in I, Vegas. <laughs> I'm terrified of what's coming a couple months from now because it's really cold. But more importantly... Just a few months from now, the biggest commercial season opens. Starting on, you know, Black Black Friday, American Thanksgiving, oh. or I'm sorry, Cyber Monday, and going all the way until, I don't know, sometime just after Christmas. Oh, um, wait. You're in Canada. Ours starts now in September. Does it now? Okay. Black well, Friday deals actually start showing up in September now. If you're, you're waiting until November to do your Black Friday deals, you're way behind. If and if you're waiting to start working on your website and preparing it for Christmas, you're also yeah. going to be where behind, way behind. Um, this is your annual um, uh, two months warning. October is coming, and once October hits, you know that Christmas is just around the corner, and you need to sell product. Get ready for it. Get ready for it now. Um, if you I'm- haven't made your plans, do it tomorrow. And let's add to this, Google has not run an update 
sequence since March, April. They're going to run them and they're going to run them quick and hard because they usually stop them right around Black Friday. So, no, 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 hold on, hold on. They say they're going to, but they always run a surprise one on us. They always they do, do every year. They do, but they stop the major, major ones. But the point being is, I know I do site audits, so I'm not trying to do self-promotion. I'm just telling you, somebody does site audits. Get your site health audit done now so you don't get hit by an update in September, October that you can't repair in time for the holiday season and you're wondering how you're going to make up your traffic. And the only way usually you can do that is by buying a lot of ads, which you won't have the money for because you'll be down from the update. So do yourself a favor every year, get yourself a site audit during the summer for an e-commerce or someone relying on the holidays for your traffic. So you know that you're prepared and ready. And when Google rolls out all those updates, you're not having a headache. You're like, Oh, cool. I soared through that. No problem. Welcome Christmas or welcome Thanksgiving. And furthermore, you know how Christine was earlier talking about, um, uh, 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 the crawl or the the, the, the crawl requires freshness. Um, the, the, you, Google wants fresh content. This is the time to start thinking about content deployment on your way to uh, on your way to Christmas. Go into the holidays with a with an active plan. Seriously, you know that have a have a content diary, have a have a sale diary, have a product diary or or calendar. This is what we're introducing when. Know it now so that you can. Um, start using your analytics and information from search console um to feature uh products and pages that are performing well um and to bolster products and pages that should be performing better now is the time to do it yeah exactly right and right now because you won't once those updates start rolling out don't be don't be the one that's sad because you're very sad if you get hit by an update in august and september well, and here's the thing. Many people are going to get hit by an update in August of September. Yes, it's going to happen. Yes. Um, luckily, Google will, uh, the first update, Google often follows with another one. Um, mm -hmm. But don't rely on a third before Christmas. No, and if you're not already getting your site audited and checked, and generally from someone on the outside is better just because they have fresh eyes, um, you won't have time to get that audited and fixed in time for the next rollout. So do it now. Um, before the end of this month so that you're ready and you know if you have any major issues before that starts happening because it will happen we've already been told there will be one at the end of summer yep yeah okay that's it we've gone full clock and full circles so on behalf of christian Jackinger from sites without walls this is jim hedger from digital always media uh you've been listening to webcology recorded live to podcast on the 10th of august 2023 Big shout out to our sponsors at Audience Key. Um, and also a big shout out to WMR, to the guys, to the folks in the studio and the folks in the in the uh, head office. Um, thank you for everything you guys do. And um, friends, be safe, rank well, be kind to each other. And uh, Christine and I will talk to you next week. Hey, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.